Hey everyone, and welcome to the Rumcast. It is the episode we're here, Will. It is the end of the year episode where we, we talk about it. our favorite rums of the year. Yes, we've made it through this year. It was a, it felt like a good year, but it was a rough year. You know what I mean? <laughs> in rum, or just uh, in in general, in the world, no, in the personal general. life of John exactly. Gullah? All of the above. Well, no, rum. I think was had a good year. I. I as I was kind of looking through, and I think we're going to talk about methodology here, but you know, yeah. I was looking through it and I was like, man, there's a lot of choices. I think, Will, I felt the burden of these picks <laughs> more this year than we're, any we're other We were both year talking about it. how we've had back injuries recently, <laughs> and we think we think maybe the pressure of revealing our favorite rums of the year is, is what, you know, it just manifested physically and has crippled us as we head into <laughs> the end of, of 2023 and a whole new year in 2024, but... I'm excited to to put the pressure and the the pain behind us now as we talk through these because you know it's one of those things, John, that once I sat down and really thought about each of these categories and looked mm-hmm. back through my photo album, looked back through my cabinet, pulled stuff out to revisit and things like that. It was really fun, and I almost felt like I got to re replay my entire year in my head through yeah. the sensory memories of taste and smell. It was uh, kind of an adventure, so I, I really enjoyed this exercise and i'm looking forward to talking through our picks hearing what your picks are this has become a yearly tradition on the show a way yeah. of looking back at the rums we enjoyed the most of the year and also to kind of just for me it was kind of taking stock of what was relevant this year in the year of rum like what things mm-hmm. will i remember the most about this year and trying to you know blend all those together in a an episode that can give us a snapshot of the year, maybe some recommendations for people, things they may have missed to, to revisit and things like that. So I'm excited. Yeah, in one sense, it feels like obligatory. If you're in a hobby, you're going to have like your favorites of the year and you, you kind of have to do that. But in another sense, like I was saying, it, it also feels like you get to, like you said, relive some of the experiences you had and go through yeah. those. And, and it, I guess that's the origin of review, right? We're reviewing, in a sense, what we liked and what we you know, loved, I guess, this year. I, I guess loved is the best way to put it because it was tough. It I was. don't know if you had a tough, as tough a time as I did, Will. We, I guess we'll talk through it. But I had a really tough time with some of these categories. There were some. There were several where I could have gone either way on a few things. And so, yeah, some of the decisions were tough. Some of them were surprisingly like, oh, that's just, that's the one I know. You know, I don't have yeah. to think about this one too much. So um, I enjoyed it. And we also were adding a couple of new categories this year, yes. John. So I think for those listeners who have listened to this episode in the past, we are bringing back all the same categories from last year, uh, those being favorite unaged molasses or last year was just favorite unaged rum this year we decided to split that into a favorite unaged molasses rum and a favorite unaged cane juice rum so that is one of the new things that we're doing this year Uh, we're also bringing back the aged rum five years or less category aged rum five over five years category new to me rum value rum Mm -hmm. most surprising rum Am I the asshole for not liking this rum? Which was a new category that we added last year. We're doing that one again. That one was kind of fun. We'll, we'll get into more of the specifics of what that category means when we get to it. Um, <laughs> favorite overall rum of the year. And then uh, a new a new suggestion that you had, which is kind of a, a distillery of the year pick for each of us. So I'm excited to sort of talk about what, see what your criteria was for that. I have my own criteria for how I picked that category. And I'm sure we'll be aligned in some respects and different in others. But I'm excited to get into those and and find out what your picks are, because per our tradition, 
We don't discuss these in advance other than just agreeing on these are the categories we want to do, any adjustments we yeah. want to make. But I don't know. I might have some guesses as to your picks because obviously we talk about rums that we're enjoying throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And we in a lot of our bonus episodes for Patreon, we do an episode called What We're Tasting and kind of talk through a lot of rums. So I have some ideas of the the rums that, that John Gullah really enjoyed or maybe <laughs> didn't enjoy this year. But yeah, I don't know. Outside that, any any other details to share before we kind of get going on this? No, not really. Just just that I, I had so many that I love this year. I'm hoping and praying that you picked different ones than I did <laughs> because I, I'd like to highlight more of them. I'm assuming, you know, many of them that we tried together. And yeah. a lot of times we are on a similar page. Sometimes we're not, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I'm fine with that. Sometimes you're wrong and that's OK. Yeah. Uh, um, I know. I admit it. I admit it when I have to. <laughs> One one thing we should note, and we bring this up every year, but I, I think we try to have a bias toward rums that actually came out during the calendar year of 2023, Correct. at the very least right. in our respective markets. Sometimes, you know, they come out in another part of the world earlier, but they mm-hmm. don't reach us. So we're not super strict about it. Like I have some picks that I, I think at least one or two maybe were technically released at the end of 2022, but, uh, you know, they didn't get into most people's hands until 2023. And then there are a few that were just like we have the new to me category, which is for rums that don't have to have come out this year, but that we just kind of got to for the first time this year. Um, and I may have a pick here or there that wasn't released in, in 2023, but we'll note that when we get to it. Yeah. Last thing I can think of is we are going to put these up on the site. So a lot of people have messaged us in previous years talking about, hey, where do I find a list? Uh, yes. Because it's hard to keep track of as we're walking or talking through it. So, yeah, you can find it there at rumcast.com. Uh, we'll make sure to post these after the episode has been released so we don't give any spoilers uh, ahead of yeah. time. I think I'll, and, I'll yeah. we'll we'll not list the selections in the show notes, but if you go to rumcast.com right. and you go to the episodes page and select this episode, they will be listed there. So you don't have to worry if you're glancing through your podcast app, they shouldn't come up there. Well, I don't with know with all with, of that out of yeah, the way. Yeah, take we a just... take a little break to uh, maybe make ourselves a, a, a festive cocktail, a festive dram, and then return. <laughs> uh, I, I think we should. Let's do it. ready to dive into our favorite rums of 2023 and john before the break i said you know grab a, a festive drink or a, you know a festive cocktail or something. i don't know why i said that because i'm not i'm not drinking right now actually i'm at, right after we finished recording this samantha and i are jumping in the car and driving three hours to memphis so i thought you know i should probably skip the the drinking during the show today um i did though i i made a cake last night a festive oh. cake And I actually missed a golden opportunity, I think, to incorporate rum into this cake. It was a ginger stout cake. Um, You make it in kind of one of those um, like bunt pans, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it it has stout beer in it. And it also has a full cup of molasses in it. So it's already, you know, in that kind of rum direction. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't call for any kind of drizzle or, or frosting or anything like that. And it works really. It came out amazing. It's got all this gin, fresh ginger in it and clove and allspice and molasses and all this stuff that just makes you think of the holidays and Christmas and all that good stuff. And yeah. I was like, I really should have made some kind of rum, you know, rum glaze or something for the cake. But, you know, making one cake was I hit my allotment of of. Hmm. work that I'm willing to put into that. So that'll have to wait until maybe next year I can be on my A game there. 
Yeah, do do rum cookies exist? Is there such a thing as like a cookie recipe with rum in it? Because I'm making cookies this weekend, and maybe I could try to see what would happen. I bet I bet there's a way you could do it. I mean, if they're rum, like I mean, what are cookies if not kind of smallish cakes? Uh, I mean, they are different from cakes, but you know, I I feel like it could work. Why not? Just toss some toss some rum in there. And see I'm gonna what happens. I'm gonna do it. I'm going to toss some C Diamond H in there and see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, you know, when we talked to to the Hampton fellows, they were telling us that DOK is the best rum cake rum so all right c diamond h is not too far off so anyway with all that said let's drive into our first category here we're going to start with unaged rum and we're going to do unaged molasses rum first so john what do you have for us there all right so for molasses and and i'm glad we split this category by the way this year because this was the toughest for me when i was looking Mm. at it just as one unaged category yeah i was like oh my god so i i do uh think this is appropriate to split it because you know similarities exist but obviously with the base being different between cane juice and molasses you do get very different results and so i'm happy that we were able to do it um so i have a pick but i'm glad you showed up with a pick I, I almost feel like uh, I want to call out something on here, but I'm going <laughs> to wait. like you're getting gonna, ready to apologize. Well, because it, y- y- there's a reason. <laughs> All right, I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to do my pick first. Okay. And then, Will, after you do yours, if you don't do what I think you're going to do, then I'll go back to this. Okay. 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 All, All right. right. So my pick is going to be Dead Reckoning, Killick. Ah, okay. We recently All right. tried yeah. this. Yeah, the Kill from Dead Reckoning release that was just, I mean, it kind of sneaked in here at the last moment because we Still only got just the little tried sample it a month bottle or so right ago. Here. Yeah. Okay. Oh, if you have the sample bottle out, that's good. Okay, that might be, mean something. Just uh, open but, it up and kind of waft the aromas into my face uh, since I'm yeah. abstaining from drinking <laughs> during the show. Um, I, this is an unaged pot still, single retort, high ester, quote unquote, funky rum is what they say. It uses dunder, and, but it's distilled in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is released by independent bottler Dead Reckoning at 55% ABV, both here in the US and in Europe. I mentioned we recently d- tasted through this in a bonus episode, and we both got that same fun and interesting kind of buttered popcorn note on the nose. Buttered um, popcorn is- funk. Yeah, it, it's super different and yet somehow really works. This isn't my first experience with Killick. I think it is yours. Yeah, uh-huh, it was. Um, yeah, I, I think if I remember right, I named it actually in this episode a couple years back as one of the rums of the year because I was so excited then to see such a cool product coming out of out of Australia. And I think this feels kind of like it's finally making its way over here so that people all over the world now can experience it as well. Um, you get a lot of the the kind of bubblegummy notes, but I had less of that in this one than in the previous release that I had two years ago. And it, to me, there's a nice amount of sweetness and kind of a creamy note and mouthfeel yeah. that this one has to counter some of that other kind of bubblegummy stuff. Because I know there are people out there who go, ooh, no thank you for the bubblegum thing, right? Savannah Her comes to mind and there are some other ones. This one doesn't overwhelm you with it, in my opinion. It's kind of there, but balanced. And it's weird. It's fun. It's cool. And still not that expensive. I think it's around $49 right now for a bottle. Um, that I've seen. It's a must experience for rum lovers like us. And that's why it's my unaged molasses rum of the year. Well, I, I appreciate the the uh, well thought out summary there. And yeah, I think we we went over a lot of this stuff in, in our bonus episode. You mentioned the kind of 
kind of creaminess to it. That's something yeah. that I picked up on a lot, almost like a yogurty. I, I think I wrote down strawberry yogurt, and I talked about the buttered popcorn thing going mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. kind of like a buttered popcorn jelly bean. I did this one threw me for a loop, and I actually I considered this one for the most surprising category, but spoiler alert, I didn't end up picking it there. And the main reason for me was this was one that we differed on a little bit in that you really, really enjoyed this one. I was really, really interested in this one and thought it was odd and unique, but I wasn't so sure that it would be the kind of rum that I would really just want to keep coming back to. It's it's got a little bit of this kind of solventy quality to it that I get from it that mm-hmm. that I don't enjoy quite as much. And it, it, but I I'm very encouraged that a distillery out there is getting something that is in this direction and like I want to see more basically is where I'm at with it is like I'm not ready to really go out and grab a bottle of this myself and be like oh I love this but it's like I want to bookmark you guys and come back to you and like see where this goes I'm, I'm really excited for what they're doing I think you're pointing out it's not necessarily a rum that everybody's going to love in the way that I love it, but can appreciate it for what it is. I do think um, there are a lot. I'm not, think I, everybody has to experience it. I, I don't think you're alone on an island. Like I, I do yeah. think there are a lot, especially if, if people are rum nerds, I do think there are a lot out there that would really be like, oh, this is awesome. This is so tasty. I'm just, I'm not quite there. So, but but yeah, it is, it's, it's definitely worth experiencing if you are super into rum, which I assume you are if you're listening with us right now. So. <laughs> Fun pick. I expected that to come up for you somewhere in here. Okay. So okay. not a complete. So I, I guess maybe maybe I was expecting it for most surprising for you, but yeah. I'm glad we're getting to talk about it here early. Okay. All Are right. Ready? On to yours. On to, on to mine. So, yeah. you know, every year I feel like there's a point that comes up where one of us kind of apologizes for the pick that we make because it's like kind of bending the rules a little bit. Uh-huh. And I'm going to do that <laughs> Right from the beginning. I'm, I'm hoping it's what I think it is. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to select something that shouldn't be too surprising if you've been listening to recent episodes. And I've got to just select the entire Hampton 8 Marks Great. collection okay. for this. Okay, good. good. <laughs> because, and here's the thing, I know I'm technically selecting eight rums, but I want to talk a little bit about just like, how I've what I've come to enjoy the most out of this and some fun things you can do with it. This is just, I, I feel like we can't talk about the year of 2023 and rum without talking about this release. I mean, there was a reason that we looped around at the end of the year and did a whole episode with Hampton and, and with La Maison and Velier just about this release because it was so special and because it was entirely unique and something that is kind of a dream for rum nerds, which is getting all eight marks uh, of rum that Hampton makes in unaged form at 60% ABV in 200 milliliter bottles and getting to compare them. And yeah. I've had so many fun little sessions with this collection over the past month or so. And something that I've really enjoyed that I started doing after the interview, actually, for for that previous episode, is I took my favorite of the very high ester marks in the collection, which is C Diamond H. And I put that into a dropper bottle. Okay. And then what I did was I took some of the lowest ester marks. So I did this with OWH and LFCH as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and poured a half ounce of either of those low ester marks into a Glencairn and then added about 12 to 15 drops or so okay. of the C Diamond Age. And getting to sort of see the effect that that has on it, because that was one of their recommendations was if you want to try blending stuff, try blending 
a high ester with a low ester, basically. And what one of the things that was surprising to me was it's not like you just taste the low ester mark plus like a hint of the high ester mark. What, what I tasted more so was it's almost like the characteristics of the low ester mark just become accentuated and uh, it, it becomes thicker, like fuller mouthfeel. The flavors just become a little bit louder in it mm. and clearer, sort of. And yeah. it, it wasn't at all like tasting a combination of things to me. It was more like supercharging the low ester mark and bringing out its best qualities and helping them really shine. So it's just been such a, a cool release. And I know I'm going to keep going back with it. And I feel like I've not even yet gotten it to reveal its best secrets yet. I just feel like there's so much still to learn from it and cool things to experiment with and try. So there was no way I could go through this episode without bringing that one up. And I, I did yeah. question for a while, should I just force myself to pick my favorite mark? But I just, I couldn't do it, John. Um, and honestly, at the well, end of the- You just said, you just said C Diamond H is your favorite mark. <laughs> no, so. I said that was my favorite of the high, high ester. So oh, it, like if oh, we're talking okay. about like, you know, Diamond Aged, HGML, C Diamond H, DOK, I think C okay. Diamond H is kind of the one in this unaged form that I really enjoyed the most. You know, overall, Mark, it might actually be- Hold on. For some reason, I can't remember the names. <laughs> it's a lot of letters. Yeah. One of the Am I the Asshole I was going to pick while you're doing that and looking was going to be like, why is it so hard to know all of these mark codes? You know, like I get it because it's historical and I know why they do it. But like, I wish it was kind of easier in some way because it's like, wait, which one was that? And it's all these weird letters and everybody does it differently, of course. And so it's harder to, to gloss. I, I actually really like it the way it is like there's it, it, like i think worthy yeah. parks conventions are very easy to remember because it's like wp light wp medium yeah, but yeah, but yeah. i love like the lore behind all the hampton marks and a it little does. it's just kind of like mystique you know um the, yeah but, but what i was trying to think of was i, I wanted to say the rum fire mark i knew it was uh, H hlcf I, I always like between that one and lfch i'm always like is it hclf lcfh <laughs> um i sound like a total noob right now but um i honestly like HLCF might be my favorite Hampton mark just in its unaged form like that, which is so funny yeah. because that's literally just what Rumfire is, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but that's one of the things I appreciated about the interview as well was how all of the guys were talking about, you know, don't write off the ability of the lower ester marks, which HLCF is kind of mid-range, but, but don't write off their ability to have a lot of complexity relative to the super high ester stuff. Because a lot of them actually have, like, if you look at the ester breakdown, they have more types of esters in that small component, non-ethyl acetate component. So yeah. anyway, you know, I already spent an entire episode talking about this collection. <laughs> I probably don't need to say anymore, but yeah, I had to, well, I had to capture that for posterity. And because I'm you know, just being honest, it was one of my favorite things all year. Yeah. And the reason I hesitated before I picked mine was because this is what really deserves the spot in my <laughs> mind in terms of what sticks out in an experience this year. I yeah. mean, it, it, and that's not to, you know, take anything away from the, the Dead Reckoning Killick release or any others that were very good releases. Holmes Key's Grand Arome reunion was a, also a finalist for me. It was an excellent pick, a good, good rum, and there were others. Mm. But the Hampton set that came out, I haven't tried it yet. I don't have it yet, Will. So I couldn't pick it. 
But I wanted to make sure you were going to pick it because yeah. if you didn't pick it, I was going to have a problem. So that's why I had that. <laughs> this is the uh, problem. I, I told you. I told you you need to do whatever it takes, John. I don't care how far you have to drive. You have to get one of these before they're all bought up because you will hate yourself if you do not. And I'm yeah. as your friend, I'm trying to look out for. I'm trying to save you yeah. from yourself and making a, a bad decision. So. I don't want you to live in regret next year. So you need to get on this before the new year. It's over to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cane juice. All right. Unaged cane juice. Unaged cane juice. So am I? Am I going first again here? You can go first, or or we can switch it up. Whatever you want to do. Why don't I go first this time, and maybe we'll we'll switch it up after. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna give you a hint on this one. And again, this category pained me so much. This one was really tough. Such a hard time. I will tell you my hint is that this rum has a long name. Not necessarily the brand, but the entire name of the rum is a lot. Okay. So um, based on that. Based yeah. on that, I, does this come from a distillery that you are known for really liking? I'm, I think so. I, I wouldn't say it's like a, a hallmark, like, oh, everybody knows. But I, I believe I've talked well about them in the past. Okay. Well, just I have an idea, but maybe come out with it. And okay. I'll, I'll say if I'm thinking in the correct direction or not. Okay. This is the St. James Pure Can Biologique Brut de Cologne Batch 1 2020. Okay. All right. So this is one of the rums that we tried at Miami Rum Congress, right? It was, yes. And it's a beast of a Martinique agricole that, despite it being 74.2% ABV, drinks super easy and brings a ton of flavor with every sip. Um, It was just an experience that, to me, was unforgettable. And Mm. when you have an experience unforgettable at a rum event where <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. something sticks out like that you know that it, there's something there that's special about it i, I want either to that or or yeah. you just had way too much to drink before that <laughs> <laughs> possible but I, I i'm gonna follow that up in a second okay because i i did have that thought so you're you're not far i wanted to say on the fine dram site because i was looking to source a bottle of this uh it says i wanted to, to quote this it says quote not really meant for neat consumption try this as a cocktail seasoning wow I say bullshit uh, <laughs> because I, although I can understand how that could be used in that way, and I'm sure it would be super successful, uh-huh. um, it, it is really great sipping neat. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the feat that it brings at that high percentage ABV. So that's kind of underselling it to me. So you mentioned this was one that was a standout for me at Miami Rum Fest. That was way back in February of this year. Yeah. And I remember it wasn't just us. There was a buzz it created at the show. And it was just uh, unforgettable from that. The St. James table was, was, was busy. Yeah. Yes. However, we have talked, you and I, about only tasting something once. And yeah. how, you know, when you do that, it's like, well, do you have enough to go on? Yeah. And... In a, at a rum festival, as you mentioned, it's even harder because where's your palate at by the time you try it? Right. And it could be wasted at that point or blasted. <laughs> you could be either, I guess. But <laughs> it's it's not really available in the U.S. That's another problem because I haven't been able to find it since then. And so I might have left it off, except lucky for me, I was, in fact, able to experience it Ooh. again more recently at Asadico, Miami, at the bar oh, here. Oh, Asadico uh, to I, the rescue. Yes, I spotted it on the back bar at my ro- most recent visit. We had a lot of good rums that night. I was with Jordan Zayner, who was in town visiting from the DC Rum Rebels. But it, again, this was a standout for me amongst good rums. Yeah. So in, because of that, it takes its place here on the list. It will, I, I'm not going to say this lightly, it might be the best agricole I've ever tried, ever. Wow. That, yeah. you know, okay, well, I, I have a comment, but I, I want to wait until it's my turn. But that's a, uh, wow, 
That, I mean, you you really do need to track down a bottle of this then if you oh, yeah. enjoyed it that much. So yes. if anyone knows where one can be ordered to the state of Florida right now, please send us an email at host at rumcast.com so John can put his order in. Will, before you get to yours, I have a question, though. <laughs> okay, yeah. And it's on this rum. Yeah. As I was doing the research a, a little bit more on it and actually trying to source it, uh, an interesting question kind of came up. <laughs> and that is, uh, does it qualify... And why I say that is because, yes, it's, it's never touched wood, right? So I think, let me, let me answer my own question. I say, yes, it does qualify because it's never touched wood. However, what I Rested. found out is, yes, it's distilled <laughs> in 2020. It stays yeah. in what we think. We, you know, we're having to do some guesswork here. Yeah. But I talked to a few people, Will. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that, like, okay, you know, it stays in what we think is a sealed stainless vat for a couple of years, possibly, mm-hmm. or at least 12 months before it's bottled. So the question is, it's still considered unaged, right? Right. Well, I, but, I mean, this is a conversation you and I have had several yeah. times before. And, yeah, I think... When we say aging, it's really kind of a convention for talking about putting a spirit into wood for Correct. a period of time. Right, right. And, but, but there is a difference that, I mean, they don't just rest the rum in, in, you know, stainless steel or whatever for two years for, or however long you said for, you know, it does something to it, right? Uh, it makes a difference. One would imagine. One um, would imagine it's not just like backed up in the line of things they have to bottle, you know? Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I know I've talked to producers before who were like, yeah, there's a reason, you know, we rest for three months or whatever. Like, it produces a change in the spirit. Right. It softens, it calms down, other stuff comes out. So, um, but, you know, I think for the purpose of this category, when we say unaged, we basically mean stuff that has not been in wood. Right, which, yeah. which is why I went ahead and picked it. But it, it does raise the question, Will, of why don't more people do that with an unaged rum? Well, I don't think it's exceedingly rare for spirit to be rested. I do think for a period of that long, you definitely see that less often. Right. Um, But also, Um, this is kind of a special release rum, mm -hmm, no? mm -hmm. So, you know, if this were their mass market white rum, they're probably not doing that, you know, but for something special... Maybe it's right. worth it. Be- because of economic reasons, right? One and they can charge they charge more for it accordingly. And they should, because it's in a in a way, it's you know, raised its value, sure. right? So I, I believe it's probably economic because most people think, well, you can it's an unaged rum, so you can sell it when you're ready. But I do think there's an interesting premise here, which is why aren't more people who are making unaged rums trying to rest it for longer periods and see what happens? So, well, maybe we just need a anyway. better vocabulary for talking about it and explaining or selling the value of that to people. I think it's, it's yeah. probably at the end of the day what you have to come up with a way to do. So, How do you say rested in French? Let's try it. <laughs> I don't know, actually. We'll come back to that one. But I did just have to look up another French pronunciation for my next pick in this category, okay. All right. which comes from a producer that I thought maybe your pick in this category is going to be from because I know it's one that you love very well. And mm-hmm. when you said this might be your favorite agricole ever, I was like, wow, because I think it might have unseated this distillery that I know you really, really enjoy. So my pick for this category is a rum from Père Labat yes. in Marie Gallant of Guadeloupe. And it's a special limited release rum that they put out this year called Con Jaune, which translates to yellow cane. So this is a single single varietal release bottled at 51% yes. ABV, I think about 3,500 bottles. And 
this is one, I just got a hefty sample of this toward the end of the year. And it's always interesting because you were just talking about picking something that you had for the first time in February. And one of the things that can be a challenge is like, if you have something that's really great early in the year, sometimes by the time you get to the end of the year, it's it can be tough to remember, right. you know, does this stack up as much to something? I, and then when you have something just recently, it's like, ooh, I really like this, but is it because I just had it? Is it really good enough to mm-hmm. be like my favorite of the mm-hmm. year? But mm-hmm. this one for me, the more, like I, I got several tasting sessions, or, you know, three probably out of the sample. And I just was really infatuated with this rum. It was a sample that came in from Rumcast listener Colby. So shout out to Colby for providing that. I think he sent you one as well. And there were actually two Paralabots. There was this one and then the... Um, um, Le in, the enclosed parcel. It? Yeah, yeah, Le Mangle. Yeah, yeah. And the Le Mangle was very punchy, like bold flavors in your yeah, face. Like kind of some offbeat. Um, yeah. I liked it. and and But this one was very different it was soft it was kind of delicate it was the the more low key of the two releases Mm -hmm. and the one that i think if you just had them both together right now like the other one stands out more but the more i drank them the more i really appreciated this one and it it like i said it's like soft and delicate it's very perfumey very creamy Mm -hmm. like vanilla buttercream but also these like floral characteristics kind of like cooked down apples and pears it's just like very comforting and it is complex it's not as bold and in your face as the other one but it was the kind that the more i sipped it the more i was like wow there is really something to this rum and just drank so well again not the yeah. kind of cane juice rum that has like a bunch of very aggressive wild flavors to it but just one that i thought was very complex and yeah it was just like a good book that i, I that like is kind of <laughs> slow developing but once you you get into it it's like you can't put it down yeah. that's how i felt about that rum and to me it was the my favorite that i've had from Paralabot to to date so well, yeah I, I am really glad to hear that you picked it because <laughs> i was struggling with i actually preferred the le manglais which i'm probably yeah. mangling that name pronunciation but it it both of those were excellent, and it was hard for me to go back and forth, but I did end up where I ended up based on just experiences, and, you know, I, it's hard. Uh, there were other rums that I considered that I thought were super great this year in this category. Renegade had a, mm. a ton of good ones. By de Tresors was good. Bete Fo. There were others, I'm sure, that you could point out, and, you know, we try to not, you know, name 800 names for yeah. each category here, but this was the one that was really tough that I think that those names I just mentioned really are worthy of, you know, at least being mentioned. Yeah. No, yeah. Shout out to Beta Tresor. There were some, some like a newer producer that came up a lot this year that I, I didn't end up selecting for anything, but that I was impressed with and eager to see yeah. more from them. Um, okay, so we're moving on to aged rum now. I can go first this time. This is aged rum cool. five years or less. And this was another one of those cases where this is a rum that I had very early in the year. And I bought a bottle and I've you know, almost gone through the whole thing at this point, which is typically a sign that I really, if I'm able to to get through the whole bottle by the end of the year, just because there's so much stuff that I'm typically trying. And this was one that I just think was, it, it's kind of like, I want to see more types of these releases in the wild. And so I was really happy to get this. And I think it's a really emblematic release of the rum that this distillery can produce. It's one, I've probably mentioned this in other episodes maybe, but it's the TCRL Mauritius 
three-year release. Uh, Uh, So this uh, is from Gray's Distillery, a molasses rum, three years and new American oak. I think it ran about $50 to $54 or so. So maybe a little pricey for a three-year rum. But when you taste it, it's just like, this is all it needed. It, it all it needed were these three years and it was a uh, hundred proof I believe was was the proof on that and so it's one of those rums that I, I feel like we have mentioned a bunch of times like it doesn't have to be aged that long and if you just bump up the proof to about a hundred proof or so it doesn't have to be super long aged it doesn't have to be cask strength but something that's higher you know than 40 43 percent abv and you know it doesn't have to be aged that long and it's it's phenomenal i mean you get so many of those gray's distillery characteristics the grapefruit um like earl gray a little bit of leather at, at only three years it's it's just it's a really good pleasant sippable rum and it kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Holmes Key did those Mauritius releases from mm-hmm. Grays. They, those were much longer aged. This clearly tastes different from those and, and doesn't have like as much of the longer age complexity as them. But it's sort of like their younger brother is, is how I look at it. And again, I just I spent so much time with this release over the year. It's one that, you know, if, if this were a standard bottling, I would always want to have a bottle of it at home. I just really enjoy it. So I was happy mm. to pick that for it. Yeah, I, I I still suffer from the age bias sometimes, you know, mm. as you're talking about it, and I'm thinking this Mauritius three-year, uh, I, I didn't pick it up, and I haven't tried it, and probably just because, to your point, you know, I may have felt like, well, is three years, you know, going to be enough for it? But I, that's on me, you know? Well, like, th- really, yeah. This is entirely anecdotal, but I just feel like I didn't hear that much about this release this year. Like I kept that wanting to, why? I kept wanting to bring it up, and I yeah, felt yeah. like, like, am I alone? Like, I think maybe I saw one or two reviews for this in the wild, but I just, it, I, I don't know. It's the I, flip re- reverse of it. You're, are, are you the asshole for liking this rum? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe so. Yeah, that is, that is. Yeah, am I the asshole for liking this rum? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I do want to try it, and I need to to find. It. I mean, look, TCRL always brings good stuff like there are better and maybe not as quite as reaching the heights of others right there's there's a range there but i don't think i've ever had anything poor or what i would consider to be bad from the tcrl line Mm -hmm. so you know i I get you there all right so for my age rum five years or less this is this is the dark horse pick of the year okay uh, for me that i didn't expect all right all right Or, or maybe it's dark crow as a hint um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have no idea uh, what direction that is in. <laughs> I, I try really hard, Will, to pick rums that I know are available for people, but I also try to highlight rums that are doing really great things, making high-quality product, but aren't really well-known yet either. Sure. And sometimes that's a struggle because, you know, if you pick one, I remember actually thinking about the Killick a couple of years ago and nobody could really get it outside of Australia. Right. So it was kind of like, okay, this one might be similar in so far as I don't know how easily available this is right now. Well, you so I'm just got to go with your heart. You just got to go with your heart sometimes. You know, if this was your favorite and it's hard to get, you know, you got to uh, put that out there still. You couldn't have said it better, and I will remind the audience that we don't tell each other these picks ahead of time, so you saying to go with my heart is actually uh, very funny, because uh, this one is a rum that is tied to Brett the Hitman heart, actually. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. It's Romero rum, four-year sherry cask finish at cask strength. This I've never is even heard of this. 
Yep, yeah, this is distilled in Calgary, <laughs> Alberta, in Canada, wow. Will. What? In Canada. It's a molasses-based pot still aged two years in ex-bourbon and two years in ex-Oloroso sherry casks, bottled at 57% ABV. And yes, they partnered up with the legendary pro wrestler Brett the Hitman Hart, who is a proud Canadian, as I might mention, to help market the rum, fulfilling one of your predictions, I believe. I don't remember if that was this year or two years ago. I I think I said a major celebrity. Yeah, well, he's he's a pretty big celebrity. <laughs> if you follow WWE or WWF. Yeah. Um, so here's the story with it. I tried this rum recently at Miami Rum Renaissance Festival. It was the absolute star of the show. And again, going back to, hearkening back, this is the only other rum I, I have on the list from a rum festival, just so you know. But it it stuck out in such a way that it was unmistakable. Uh, wow. when, you, when you hit on something that is of high quality, that is bringing great flavor, Good balance. You know how you and I talk about being oversharied many mm-hmm. times, and that's especially a craft producer can fall into that. Yeah, um, I think, or a small producer, they didn't do that here. And somehow, what I loved about it, Will, is this one managed to be both familiar in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and and still yet unique in other ways. So, being distilled in Canada, it, it has its own thing, but at the same time, it's a classic. What I would call a classic ex-sherry finish rum at high strength, which brings everything you would want with it. You know, all the notes you would expect. And I just, I didn't expect to get that out of something. I I didn't even really honestly know, and this is glib of me, I didn't know Canada was making rum. Mm, So, you know, it's even that that I was like, wow, like how did I have such a big blind spot and then also for it to be this good? Um, Now, I will say this. Uh, I I also, as I was looking this up, saw that I'm not the only one who liked it, which helped me feel better about it. (laughs) Our friend at Lance at LoneCanner.com, Lance Sarujbali, he said this about it, and I I couldn't say it any better, so I'm going to quote him here. He said, quote, it's not a copy of some Caribbean profile, doesn't seek to emulate noble sires from hotter climates, but is completely, calmly, resolutely itself. Mm. It adheres to the profile of rum while providing just enough kinks and twists to show that the makers knew exactly what they were doing when they made it. And, you know, he has a way of with words that I think nailed the feelings it. that I have on it. Yeah. This could have easily gone under most surprising rum, given what I'm you know, telling you here. But, you know, at just four years old, I, I felt like it belonged here. It's a rum that if I could find a bottle, I would buy it right away. I think it's about $70 or $80-ish. Not um, bad for so a, a new not, small producer. Yeah. Right. I mean, at just four years of aging, you know, that, that might be on the high side for some people. But remember, we're talking 57% ABV, so it is a cask strength rum. And as you mentioned, a small craft producer. So the, the prices do tend to be a little higher. So my hope here is that even if you can't find this one or some people can't find this, that by highlighting it, they will mm. be emboldened to continue to make a cask strength version and yeah. release in future batches. They do have others like an amber rum and a dark rum and a spiced rum. And those were fine, but yeah. I, I don't think they're standouts. So sure. for whatever reason, this one cask strength version was it. Well, does does Brett the Hitman hard to have like a catchphrase or anything he says? Like uh, Ric Flair had like the woo thing. Does he does he have anything that we can tag uh, on he, here? He was the best there ever was, the best there ever will be. I think that was his thing. <laughs> okay, well, uh, he had, he, you know, he these the are our favorites, shooter. so that kind of yeah. that kind of fits in. Um, at, at the risk of 
you know, you're just going on about how in the excerpt from from Lance's review was kind of putting this out there as it's its own thing. It's not trying to emulate other stuff. Mm -hmm. So at the risk of now trying to reduce it down to a stupid comparison, does it remind you of anything else? Like if you had to compare it to another rump style, does it have elements of anywhere uh, anywhere else or or is it like entirely unique? You did say it has some familiarity to it. So, yeah, Uh, of of an English style, uh, which is a poor way to already categorize thing but something along the lines of english harbor or or maybe uh barbados yeah maybe mount gay okay something in and around that is gotcha. what i would say gotcha. yeah okay yeah well i'm gonna have to you know if if i see a chance to try that i'm gonna jump at it because i'm i'm really interested in and I, I i did know there were there are a few places in canada doing rum but i was not familiar with with this one or maybe i'd seen it and just you know didn't remember anything but yeah that's exciting interesting rum coming from all over the world and i'm sure we'll talk about other far-flung places as we get deeper into the episode okay so over f- five years this was another one john where you know i I, I do, I try to, at the end of the day, just select stuff that is my favorite, but I do want to like balance between stuff everyone was aware of and also try to find unearth some hidden gems and stuff like exactly. that. Just exactly. Just like you did with that pick. Yes. For this one, there. I mean, there's so many things fit into this category. There were so many things I could have picked, but I just came back to one again that like, this was another one that just as I had it and went back to it throughout the year, it just became, I loved it more and more. Like it was the kind of rum that when I tried it for the first time, I liked it. And this is also why some of the stuff that I selected here did come from samples, but they were at least always samples that I had over multiple sessions. Right. And this, sometimes you try a rum once and it doesn't really do anything for you. And that wasn't my experience with this at the start. I thought this rum was good, but if you'd asked me if it was one of the best rums I'd had all year when I first had it, I would have been like, oh no, no, not at all. But the more I went back to this, just more and more layers to it and more things jumped out. And, you know, I don't know if that's a combination of just different places my head was at, my palate was at, or if it's, you know, you know, sometimes bottles can kind of evolve as you go through them. But this one just kept giving me more and more. Um, And it's a release that a lot of people in the realm world saw. I think a lot took part in it. I saw a lot of reviews for it throughout the year. I think you actually drafted this in our rum fantasy draft. It is the Isadier 16-year sugarcane rum. So of the two 16-year Isadier releases that came out as a pair, this was the cane juice one, aged 16 years in French oak, I believe, bottled at 59% ABV. And like I said, I just kept coming back to this and it has, it just has all these like comforting flavors to me. Like like I get apple and pepper, black tea and raisins, some kind of like soft fruits, like peaches as I like dig down deeper into it. And I, this is one of the ones that I sat down yesterday. I was revisiting a lot of stuff that I just marked down throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, you know, a lot of them I would have a couple of sips and be like, okay, yeah, I, I, I get where my head's at with this one. And this one, I couldn't stop drinking it uh, because it was just so good and I was enjoying it so much. I, I, and I was like, wow, how can I not just pick this, you know? So this is one, I, I don't think it's a breaking news discovery. I think if you're aware of this release, you probably have gotten it already if you wanted it. But, you know, if you passed it over or maybe if you just had a sample and, you know, thought it was decent. I, this is one that I would recommend revisiting if you have the opportunity, because I just really, really, really enjoy this rum. Yeah. So did you have, uh, you had samples of both the cane juice and the molasses, right? I had samples you of both. only bought one bottle? 
Yeah. yeah. And then I bought the cane juice one. I really enjoyed the Got molasses it. one too, which I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit for not getting a bottle of the molasses one, just because I mm-hmm. wonder if I might've had a similar evolving experience with that one, because I really liked the sample of that one too. I just, the sugar cane, a little bit more complex to me, it shared a lot of similarities actually, yeah. which was, which is yeah. kind of cool considering the difference in the, the, the distillate. But yeah, that's, I- that's where I, that's where I'm at with those. Yeah, I, I didn't. So I didn't pick either of those in my list. But I will say that I appreciate the fact that we were able to get those twin releases, if I mm-hmm. can use the term there, because it just it really does help inform how things can differ from the base material. And I just I love, you know, isolating the variable there. And I'm sure there was more than just that variable. But the the idea is, you know, they're close. Right. Yeah. And you get to experience that. We also got the same thing with the Holmes Key reunion rums where they did one that was cane juice. Yep. And and there was I want to say there might have been one more and my point was to say with that it's it's so cool to be able to have those experiences and it's nice that i feel like this is one of the first years that that's really been a thing so that i that i can remember at least i know mount gay did something with virgin versus you know ex bourbon oak or something like that a few years ago so there's been done a pot and column release right, as well right and you know, yeah you know velier did the continental aging and tropical aging release so yeah there's there's been something in that vein but i do think we're seeing more of it yeah so just continuing to see that as a as a trend for releases is really cool yeah all right so for mine aged rum over five years you mentioned a couple of things that i i share with you which is one is this was a rum that was picked in my rum fantasy draft this year which i lost to you again in and (laughs) i'm still bitter about you brought it up Um, not me (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, if I'm bitter about it, that's why it's still on my mind. <laughs> I'm waiting for next year already. And if you've listened to me at all this year, you know I've praised this bottle. I've lavished uh, praise on it. And I'll just skip the suspense. It's the Don Q Cognac finish, oh, uh, which they yeah. released as part of their cask finish series this year. And I was able to finally pick up a bottle a few months ago. Mm -hmm. I think it was October that I finally sourced a bottle. It was everything I remembered. And uh, it's just a a really shining example of what a distillery can do that, you know, usually you don't get, right? We we get the Don Q, the white and and the, you know, all the gold and all that stuff that they right. have. And they do have the seven, which we've talked praises about and the Grand Añejo, which we did in our 80 proof fantasy or uh, 80 proof bracket, bracket this year. Yep. Yeah. But this is a uh, 100% column blend made from both single and multiple column still distillates at Distillery uh, Sierra Ace in Puerto Rico, aged for five to eight years in American white oak, spends an additional two years in French X cognac barrels. It's a shade under 50% ABV or 100 proof, making it the highest ABV really ever released by Don Q, at least to my knowledge in the US. And, and it was- Other than Don Q 151. Of, well, thank you. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Uh, a sipping rum, meant as a sipping rum, sure, I guess yeah. you would say. Um, I'm, just being as, a, I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> Stop being a jerk. Um, <laughs> this was uh, released as part of a series of cask finishes they had put out. I also really enjoyed the sherry finish. That one was only 41%, but it was still good. I wish I had it at 49 It was really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a Zen cask finish and a port, which I think both you and I hated the port one. Yeah. Um, it just shows that sometimes, you know, I guess there's... It's it's hard to predict the influence of a finish, I guess is what I would say. And I'm very proud and thankful that we have people in Puerto Rico, that the, the 25% of me that's Puerto Rico is proud, um, that <laughs> they're, they're doing such great things with, with these finishes and that they're taking some risks 
on releasing a higher ABV rum. That is a, an, an example of how they can still be super well integrated, incredibly well balanced, and bring a great sipping experience at that ABV. The only knock on it, I will say, as good as it is, I do think it's a tad bit overpriced. Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And we've talked about that in the past, so I won't double down on it. But About 75, uh, somewhere around there? 85 to 90 here. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 So uh, with that, uh, I do think if it was closer to 70, I would be a much happier man with those. But uh, as we said, I'm supporting them because I want to see them do this more. It's very exciting. And it is a bottle that if you at least can try, maybe you're not ready to buy a whole bottle. But if you're at a bar or somewhere and you see it, get a pour of this and you will be a happy man or yeah. woman. That, that's one, you know, Don Q is distributed so weirdly up here. We never get any of the special releases. So I have not gotten a bottle of that, but I definitely would have snagged one because well, I'll just put a big fat plus one on everything you said and not try to, you know, come up with an original idea to add because I think you said it perfectly. <laughs> Great rum. And yeah, I we, we've said it all before. Um, OK, new to me rum. Is that what we're ready for? New to me, yes. So I'm going to cheat the rules again here. And I, I feel like you're usually the one who kind of bends the rules. I feel like maybe I'm doing it a little bit more this year. <laughs> but there's actually a fun connection between what I'm about to pick and an earlier pick that you had. And so what I'm going to pick for new to me rum is just St. James in general. The distillery oh. of St. James. Okay. Um, you know, I got to try so many great releases at Miami Rum Congress. St. James is another rum that is just not really distributed at all in my area. And I feel like it's always been a little bit kind of like talked down on is a little too strong. But I, I don't know. I feel like when people talk about rum mm. agricole, they, they don't tend to list St. James as among like the prestige brands for some reason. That was the impression I had of it. And at Miami Rum Congress, getting to try not only the Biologique, but Mm -hmm. the 74% Brut de Cologne that was there, which was still somehow drinkable at 74%. They had a very nice cellar reserve. And then Down Island Spirits, independent bottler, did Mm -hmm. a fabulous six-year-old St. James release, their Martinique 2017 release that I really enjoyed just opened my eyes to how this distillery has so much to offer. And also a little fun fact, we mentioned Bay de Tresors earlier. It's, it's not a St. James product, but it is distilled at St. James actually. Mm. So there's a little bit of St. James in there. I mean, you, you know, using some of the same facilities and equipment, I would assume. So, but um, it, it's just, you know, there's not something about it that is just like, wow, there's there's something in this agricole that I've had nothing like this before. Like you can tell it's a Martinique rum agricole, but it does have its own, you know, kind of signature style to it. And mm. it's it's just a distillery that I want more in my life. And, you know, whether it's aged or unaged stuff, I, I just, I need to do some more digging into St. James. And so that's one that I just wanted to to highlight in this year in review, because it's, it's mm. something that clearly stood out as I was looking back through all the stuff that I tried this year. Well, welcome aboard the St. James train. St. James train. <laughs> Shit, I can't even say it. It is uh, some a train I've been on for a while now, and I'm glad mm-hmm. you're joining us because I do really think I have the cellar reserve you mentioned as well, uh, mm-hmm. full bottle, and I'm enjoying that. It, it is one of those agricole rums that even aged, I really do like, and they must be doing something right there. So, kudos to to picking that. Although I will say this, Will, I will say, if only there were like a distiller of the year category that we had that you could have done that with 
hmm, that might have fit well. Uh, uh, well, but I'm you know, we'll, we'll talk about our criteria when we when we get there. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 So you, you mentioned I'm a rule breaker and I'm going to break a rule here. This one's sort of a tie for me. Um, <laughs> I have two really good products, but as you said, I don't just do a tie for tie's sake. It's there's a reason behind it. Mm. So my new to me rums of the year are Roulezon and Cherami. Ah. All right, so, so a pair of New Orleans rums then. You got it. Both Louisiana cane juice rums that are, I think, both equally helping to bring up the category and hide, highlighting what Louisiana rum with an H uh, can be. Um, I was able to finally experience the full lineup of Roulezon, um, and I think they are worth your time to try all of them. Um, for me, the Overproof was probably the one that stuck out to me as my favorite so far. It is molasses, uh, by the way. I, I think you said cane oh. juice. Yeah, really on stuff. They've done some some limited cane juice releases, but their Got stuff it. is all prima- primarily molasses. So Louisiana rums. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you for the correction. That's that's on me. But they, they are really good stuff in terms of what they're bringing and what they're doing. I, I I can't say enough. And Cherami is the, the cane juice rum that I have yeah. also been able to try. It's unaged at 43%, the one I have. I think mm-hmm. they have an aged release now, too, but I haven't seen that one yet. But for a, a 43% product, brings a good amount of flavor and depth. And, you, you know, you have to recognize quality uh, when you note it. And that's what I wanted to do with both of these. I think if you're in that area or you're in an area where you can experience either or both of these rums, I think you have to because they're they're good stuff and they're bringing something forward. I think in the next few years, we've talked about this well before, that Louisiana rum is, is a thing. And yeah. it's increasingly becoming present within the rum community. And I would like to see them continue to do... Uh, I, I can't wait to see really what's coming next from them mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the releases they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm glad that you highlighted those two producers as I think they're both doing really... I, I think they should be commended for kind of their focus on rum and and, yep. and, they're, and they're completely different, by the way, in their approach because Cherami, which, which is cane juice, as, as you said, a lot of what they're bringing out, particularly that release, the Cherami Blanc, the 86 proof one, mm-hmm. it's really kind of like a starter cane juice rum. It's a great rum to introduce people to cane juice spirits who haven't had them before because it's very approachable. There's not a lot of wild and crazy flavors going on in it because that's not what they're going for. But it's a really refined, really good rum and really versatile. You can use it in all sorts of stuff. I really enjoy it. And then Rulezan, you've got on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where they're doing Mm -hmm. the long, funky fermentations. But what I appreciate about them is it's kind of like that that excerpt you read from Lance about the Canadian distillery is like, they're not trying to taste like some, someone else's rum. Like their mm-hmm. rum tastes like their rum, their funk tastes like their funk. And you know, some people like that. Some people don't, but the, the overproof bottle you mentioned is, is my go-to with them as well. I, I really enjoy it. And that's, that's an unaged overproof. And, but they're, they're yeah. doing all kinds of interesting, fun stuff down there. And yeah, I think if you're looking, if you're curious about the category of American rum, zooming in on Louisiana rum, I think is a, a, a wise choice to make because I think a lot of the producers that are popping up down there now are really committed to rum. They have access to local sugarcane and, and things like that. So it's, a, it's an exciting area. 
Yeah. I, I also wanted to briefly mention that Rulezon has an herbal liqueur called Amer. Have you yeah, tried that, Will? I have. Man, the Amer is fantastic. It's yeah. really, really good. It um, is, yeah. It, it, it reminds me a little of something in the chartreuse area, but it's it's not, you yep. know, it's still its own distinct thing, as you were saying. It's not trying to be chartreuse. I think it could stand in, but, you know, I, I'm looking for a bottle of that, too, because I really liked that one, and I'm trying to start, you know, kind of finding things that are drinks that I can mix mm-hmm. in with those type of things. What I've realized, Will, is I really like high-proof drinks, so where you're putting in you know, Punta Mess I've talked about before, mm-hmm. or uh, a liqueur in with another one so that it's it's not just juice, right? Yeah, I like, a spirit I like forward drink. Juice. Spirit forward is the yeah. words I'm looking for. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I like those types of cocktails more so. So that is a really great one. And I, I'm also trying to source a bottle of that. By the way, I just wanted to make a quick mention. The runner up for this category, Dooley's XO, is the first time I've had it this year. What? And Wait, you'd never had that until this year? I never, never had Dooley's XO. I had 12. I had eight. I've had, you know, others. Yeah, I hadn't had it. That's so And funny. I really enjoyed it for what it is. It, was that, it is dur- that, was that during our blind Foursquare yes. uh, tasting? Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, just just a heads up there that that's just a, a pretty good rum for, for those who haven't tried it. Don't skip it. Yeah. <laughs> We're breaking news on here. Yeah. Don't, don't skip Dooley's XO in your rum for, journey. For the 1% of people out there who haven't tried that yet to listen to <laughs> this podcast yeah don't skip uh, it. yeah no good shout out on the the really on a mare that is a, a great uh, liqueur that they make and and like my first reaction was the same way i i was like oh i tasted it and i was like oh I, i'm gonna put this in a last word you know which is a, a common yes. chartreuse yeah. cocktail mm-hmm. and it worked beautifully in that so um good stuff all around okay i think we're ready to go to value rum and this is another one where like this is not a new rum, but it was one that I tried for the first time this year and was just kind of bowled over at how good it is for the low price. And, you know, I like I just don't know that every year there's going to be a rum that comes out that is just like one of the mm-hmm. best values. It's just hard to find that every year. And yeah. this is one I like I don't hear particularly I don't see this rum very much in the U.S. at all because it might not even be distributed at all over here. But this is another rum agricole and another one from Guadeloupe, actually. And this is mm. rum Balone Blanc. So I went on kind of a it wasn't it wasn't enough to call it a binge, but I wanted to order a bunch of agricoles that aren't distributed in the US just because we've talked, you know, so often about how there's so many we've yet to get to just because they're not available over here. So I ordered some stuff from Boulogne, some stuff from BL, which is on Marie Gallant as well, mm-hmm. like Paralabat yeah. earlier, off of Fine Drams actually. And I was stunned by some of the low prices on this stuff, John. It was yeah. this bottle of Rumbalone Blanc was $23. And that's with the currency conversion. I think it was about mm-hmm. 21 euros. This is a 100 proof Blanc agricole. Distillery has been around since the late 1800s. I believe they're one of the oldest producers there. This is again, it, it's sort of, you know how I was describing Cherami Blanc just now? I, I would say this is kind of like the rum agricole version of that, where this is an uncomplicated, not intensely grassy or vegetal rum agricole. It, it's kind of like in my mind, one of the perfect agricole starter rums. It's just, it's clean, Mm. fruity, kind of lime zest, candied citrus, but you're not hit with a lot of those like intense flavors that like vegetal grassiness that can be somewhat off-putting to people who, when they're new to the category a lot, not to everyone. Some people gravitate to that right away, but for others, it's kind of an acquired taste. 
And I was just floored that this is only 23 bucks at yeah, 100 proof. And, you know, it, you can you can sip it neat. I, I think it probably it really shines in simple. You know, obviously the, the go to is the tea punch. But yeah, it, I, I was just kind of bowled over when I was looking at rums that I didn't spend very much money on and the taste to value ratio, I guess. This is one that was at the top of the list. And the the, the BL rum that I ordered as well, which is their Con Grease, uh, which is Grey Cane. Mm-hmm. I think that one's about $30. Also, really, really good rum. It was in a 50 centiliter bottle too, which I, I quite like. Mm. More funky bottle sizes, please. But uh, but yeah, I have to give it to, to Rum Balloon Blanc at the end of the day. Just, yeah, it's, it's really solid, really good, and really cheap. What more can yeah. be said? Yeah, I had a sample of that this year also and and also enjoyed it. Uh, it, Like you said, I don't know that it it stood out for me in a way, but the point here is that it's a value and can't disagree with you there. Uh, I I had a a few other uh, ones this year that were um, hard to pin down where they were sourced from. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, I'm just I'm running right into my best value. Yeah, no, go for it. Go Um, for it. And because of that, I didn't end up picking them. Because they're from like an import brand that's just kind of putting this stuff out. It's a it's a blanc cane juice rum, similar to. Do you remember I mentioned the El Gua when we yeah, did uh-huh. uh, that episode? Uh-huh. It's kind of that similar thing. I got one of these bottles for ten dollars called Daylight Rum, and Daylight I rum. can't find anything anywhere about it. It's uh-huh. the weirdest thing, but it ain't bad for ten dollars. <laughs> Was this when so, we were doing our bottom shelf episode? Was yeah, this one yes. of the bottles sourced for that? Well, the, the El Gua was, but no, I got this one because it was on sale when I went somewhere else looking for, I think it was the Don Q, and it was in the clearance. And I was okay. like, well, it's $10. What's the worst that can happen? Right. You know, it's garbage, and, and I don't like it. Uh-huh. I do like it. I do like it. <laughs> it's a good, approachable cane juice, you know, 50% uh, ABV, I think. Well, actually, I have to double check that. It uh-huh. might be 40 But it, the, the point is, for $10, it's, it's better than a lot of $10 name brands sure. out there. And so that was cool. But again, because I just, I didn't know where it was made. I couldn't find anything else out about it. It's hard for me to push that out as something that I would do in the best of the year list. So so what um, actually be- made it? Yeah, because of that, I had to break the rules a yet a little bit again. <laughs> I, I just, I had a hard time finding something this year, as you put it, mm-hmm. that I would consider. And I had to try to do something that I've only really had a chance to experience this year. And it just struck me as one of the best values in rum. Okay. So that was where my my thought is coming from. And that is good old El Dorado 12, the new version. Wow. Okay. Um, El Dorado 12, blend of pot and column still rums from DDL and Guyana. Most people are very aware of that. It's aged for at least 12 years in ex-bourbon barrels and bottled at a meager 40%. Yes. Um, But after we did this 80-proof rum bracket, I was stunned how great El Dorado 12 was, and it changed my overall perception of this brand as a whole, Will. Wow. Um, It's why it ended up here. And I had previously only really been familiar with the 15, which, uh, you know, I bought that three or four years ago. I liked it, but I also kind of knew that it had that sugar element added. It was a sweeter rum because it had the older version. I've since tried the 15 that is the newer version that is much better. And this new 12. And, you know, I guess when I bought, I looked at the shelf when I bought the 15 and I saw the 12 and the 15. Again, mind you, this is four years ago me. And four years ago me said, well, I'm going to get the 15, duh, right? 
man, was I wrong. Uh, (laughs) You know, it it just, you continue to learn these lessons over and over again. It's not like this is a new lesson for me that age isn't the the best identifier, but it's further evidence and further proof that you really have to consider what's going on in these bottles. The number on the bottle is one element of many. And the 12, El Dorado 12 is my favorite now. By it's just far, uh, over it's, the fifteen. It's just like Appleton Eight being better than Appleton Twelve. Exactly. <laughs> you, 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 yes. You, I, I think. Well, I'm I trying to like fire fire trying to fire like people 12. up out there. <laughs> um, um, you know, I, and I, I it's been a while since I've AB'd twelve to fifteen, except on our eighty proof episode. But that was yeah. the old fifteen against the new twelve. I haven't done new yeah. twelve against new fifteen in a long time, and I think historically I was more of a fifteen person. But you're hundred percent dead on about the 12 and i think one of the things about this category is a lot of times the deeper you get into rum you tend to Mm -hmm. skip over the stuff that might be a value rum because it's lower proof or you know because it's not rare that sort of thing and so you're going after the rare and the different and you end up leaving behind stuff that is actually really good and widely available and affordable and el dorado 12 is 100 percent checks all those boxes and I had a good impression of it and that line in my head, but revisiting it for that episode really took it to another level. And I mean, like since we did that episode, I've, I've been going back to that Eldorado 12 yeah. bottle It's just, yeah. you know, end of the day. Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's just, it's got so many great elements to it for an 80 proof rum. It really has complexity to it and it's just yep. a really well done blend. So I can't fault you at all for picking that. And I would encourage people like if, if you're in our shoes, if, if you know, you're a little further along in your rum journey now and you just didn't get around to, to drinking that ever, just kind of like how John never got to Dorley's XO until this year. It's, <laughs> exactly. it's worth going back and treating yourself to that because it is affordable and it is really good. And it's just, it's a great, it's a great bottle to have in the, in the bar at home to go to. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, you know, you broke the rules a little bit, but I did too. So it's okay, John, it's all, it's all, um, it's all in good fun. Everyday Sipper comes to mind for that yes. one. That's yeah. a that's a great one for that. And at thirty five dollars a bottle, it's it's good. Yeah. Um, do you want to switch up again? And yeah, and, why don't you uh, why don't you dive first? into your most surprising rum of the year? All right. So yeah, my most surprising rum is uh, one that comes from a independent bottler. Okay. And I think you mentioned them earlier. This is the Down Island Brazil rum. Ah. Yes, I said rum. So a blend of cane juice and molasses rums, both distilled at a pre-distillery in Sal Roque near Sao Paulo back in 2011. It was aged six years in Amberana casks and another six years in American oak and bottled at 55.1%. So when my brain thinks of Brazil, I think of cachaça. Yes. And I think I'm probably not alone in that. And when I saw this come out, I was really surprised. I was like, huh, but it's rum. It's Brazil rum. <laughs> And uh, and then I was even more surprised at how great the product is. The cane juice distillate, which is 80%, it still drives the bottle, but it's tempered a bit by the molasses, and the Amberana is distinct without being too dominant, because I do think I've had some Amberana releases where it's a little too much. Yep. And so this one works. I just have to give it to Down Island for taking a leap here on something that is unfamiliar in the market and putting it out there for cane spirit enthusiasts like us to get our hands on. You know, it, it's rare as a Brazilian rum product. 
It's rare as a cane juice molasses blend, although it's clearly stated on the label, and I love that. It's it's rare to find Amberana cask aging here in the U.S., and you get all of that rareness for roughly $99 in a very nice-looking and functional bottle. So, you know, keep it up. I, I'm super excited to see what more he's going to do in 2024. I'm just really pleased with that one. His other releases were excellent, by the way, as well. As well as, you know, we haven't mentioned them, but Raising Glasses had a few great releases this year also. Independent bottlers are still coming up and doing great things. Um, but this Down Island Brazilian rum, don't don't skip it. It's, it's great stuff. Yeah, I actually, I had this release written down as one to consider for the over five years favorite rum category for myself. I really like this one. And it was surprising in a lot of ways because I was a little worried that the six years in Amberano was going to overwhelm it and it was just going to be like a complete cinnamon bomb. But it wasn't. Uh, I thought it was balanced really well where you know the Amberano influence is there, but it doesn't just dumb down the rum entirely. Really good. And yeah, uh, it was was a, a really memorable rum from this year. So... No complaints on my end there. <laughs> All right, so, on to your most surprising. Yeah, For mine, this is going to be kind of a bookend with what I picked last hmm. year in this category. Okay. I don't know if you remember what I picked last year. I do not. <laughs> but it was a release from a small distillery in Taiwan called Renaissance Distillery. Uh, it was a bottling that the Whiskey Exchange did where it was a Fino sherry cask. And my... It, you know, this rum from Renaissance, it's a long, it's a, about a 15 day fermentation. I think this is a molasses based rum. They use Dunder. Mm-hmm. So they're going for kind of some funkiness in their rum. And the release last year, it was surprising to me because their, their rum just does taste unique, but it also has elements from other places that I like. It reminds me a little bit of Fiji rum. It reminds me a little bit of Savannah. It reminds me a little bit of Jamaica too, but somehow manages to be itself at the same time. And that's what surprised me about it last year was just that a rum that tastes like this, you know, came from Taiwan, uh, was just unexpected to me. But the one last year, it wasn't quite there in terms of something that I would actually want to buy because it was quite an expensive bottle. And also just because the sherry cask influence was just too strong for me. I didn't think it really gelled with the the unique flavors of the rum all that well. But it was it was kind of like how I responded to Killick earlier on this episode where I was like, there's some interesting stuff going on here. Right. I just want to see more. This bottle isn't for me in terms of, you know, buying it and drinking it regularly. I just want to see more. And so that's why I was so pleasantly surprised to try my second ever rum from Renaissance Distillery this year. Okay. Um, this was the Renaissance 2018 White Alligator Cask Bottling. Ooh. This was selected and bottled by Rom Deluxe, I believe. So this okay. is also another pot still molasses-based rum. Uh, it was aged for three years in heavily charred new oak barrels. So that's why they call it White Alligator. Alligator yeah. char is kind of like the heaviest char. Yep. One term for like very heavy char. And... You know, I think when people hear New Oak and they hear Heavy Char, they think it's going to be a rum that's just been beaten over the head with American oak flavors. And to an extent, maybe that happens a little bit, but there's so much flavor punching back from the rum that for me, the combination came together really well and created something that was super drinkable. I think this was a, let me double check, I think it's about 64 
percent, yeah, sixty four point eight percent ABV. So not a lightweight, but immensely mm-hmm. drinkable for the proof, and it, it just worked so well. Like the the notes I wrote down were, um, it really reminded me on the entry. It has it's very sweet on the entrance, but but almost like a like if you grew up in the South, you grow up having sweet tea, which is yeah. you know iced tea with essentially a shit ton of sugar in it, um, right, and. That's a flavor that really reminds me of my childhood a lot. And it had, it, I'm not saying it tasted like a sugared rum or anything like that, but it just, it, it started with the sweet tea and then I got hit with like cinnamon and graham cracker. And then the funky fruit notes came in like a charred pineapple straw, like artificial strawberry candy a little bit. That's kind of where that Savannah influence, a little bit of that kind of medicinal quality that reminds me a little bit of Fiji. And I don't know, man, it just, it really came together and I was not expecting to like this as much as I did. I was expecting to have a similar reaction to it that I had to the Fino Sherry cask from last year, where it was gonna be like, oh, this is really interesting, but you know, I don't know, the charred new oak cask, it was just too much, it didn't come together. They haven't sort of like dialed it all in yet, but they dialed it in for this one, man. And it really sold me on on what they're doing. And I I really wanna see more after this. I actually have it penciled down, like we definitely need to reach out to this distillery this year because I wanna talk to them on on the podcast. but uh, really impressed me, and this this may have technically come out at the end of 2022. But you know, if it was, it was at the very end, and it, you know, it's spiritually a 2023 release. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm allowing it to, to sneak in here. But yeah, it was a, a really fun surprise after the you know uneven experience from one last year to come back this year and be like, wow, I'm still surprised by this, but I also really really enjoy it. Yeah. The only experience I think I've had with the Renaissance one was last year, and I remember Mm -hmm. really not liking that sample. I don't even remember what it was at this point, but you've sold me on the interest now for this one, the white crocodile uh, sounds... White alligator. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was close. (laughs) White alligator. Um, You should be getting all the gator references right, you know, down there in, in South Florida. We don't talk about gators here in Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't the Everglades like right next door? No, I meant that from a football Oh, that's a football joke. Okay, yeah. Wow, right over my head. All right. (laughs) That's all right. You're an Alabama fan. I mean, you know, what I expect from Alabama fans. Ooh, God, I just just alienated like 10,000 people. Um, Yeah, the 10,000 Alabama fans listening to our podcast right now are (laughs) hopping mad. Um, I mean, I have to be right now because uh, FSU should have gotten that berth instead of Alabama. So, Mm, you know, we talked about that. Cry, cry yeah. me a river. Cry me a river is all I can say. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, we're moving on to am I the asshole category here. Uh, and uh, this was a fun one <laughs> that I think w- people responded to last year. And um, so I, I figure... You know, the idea behind this is yeah. I feel like all of us have a rum that we try throughout the year that we hear great things about from lots of other people. And for whatever reason, it doesn't gel with us. And so it's like, right. is something wrong with me for not liking this? You know, yeah. it, do I have a problem? And yeah, so we both came back to, to rums that left us feeling like that. Yeah. And, and in this case, it's a, a group, a grouping of rums. A grouping of uh, rums. Okay. Yes. That I have to ask the question for okay. because it's just not happening with me. Uh, it's peated scotch finished rums. <laughs> okay. All right. Wow. Um, yeah. I. I have Talk seen to me. And tr- 
I've tried a number of these this year, and, and some last year I remember too, but this year I've tried at least two or three. Uh, there was a Grander release. I also got to try the Pete Smoke Mount Gay release this year. Yeah. There was a Rondel Artisano and a Relicario and some other ones that they just seem to be coming out of the woodworks, and I'm not happy about it uh, personally <laughs> because... I just I haven't found one that I thought has been good. Um, but John, and, and you Will, like you like peated scotch. You I like know. rum. Why wouldn't they work together? So I like Ardbeg. I like Lagavulin and others <laughs> that are a peated scotch. So it's not a question of enjoying peat or peated spirits. I guess it's whether or not that I really feel that the classic rum flavors mix well with them. And to date, I haven't found any that do. So yep. you know, am I the asshole? Are there ones out here? out there that that you know people do enjoy because i don't know that they exist so yeah that's kind of the crux of the problem I, before you get to yours well i did want to say there is an interesting thing as i was kind of looking at the releases that that i was trying to remember i tried this year i noticed a weird thing What's there's that? a brand out there right now in the netherlands that is distilling peated rum not finished oh wow peated casks they're distilling peated rum I, i'm gonna mispronounce it but it looks like shotman s-c-h-o-t-m-a-n okay it, it's a small distillery in the netherlands that's doing it actually like an isla scotch would be done like you peat something as it's distilled mm -hmm. maybe that would work better Maybe. You know, maybe maybe it's just the integration of the scotch or whiskey peated stuff that's trying to invade into the rum and is overtaking it. And maybe if it's actually designed that way from the ground up, it could be better. So I wanted to ask, has anybody tried that that listens? And, you know, if so, let me know. Is that any better? Or is it the same stuff? Well, I just want to add that if you're an asshole for having this opinion, I'm right there with you because <laughs> I, I think, you know, I had some early experiences. I remember actually back in 2019 trying the Mount Gay whatever it was called the peated peat finish yeah the yeah, peat smoke yeah. Mount Gay and at first I was like oh this is interesting you know I taste the peated scotch influence and then you just and then you're like, but then you then you keep <laughs> drinking it more and it's just yeah. like I, I I get this peated scotch out of my rum it's kind of how I yeah. feel about it and yeah. I like peated scotch too um yeah. Yes, but I just and I've had you know I've had some privateer releases that were aged in oh what's it called oh, I forgot which one Lefroig Lefroig uh, yeah Lefroig casks I like Lefroig and it's even like I don't think it was executed poorly or anything mm -hmm. um, I think it was done well and like I feel like the level of the finish in it was the right level but they just the flavors together don't work for me. It just and, feels like they don't match. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a clash. It's a clash. They don't mm -hmm. enhance each other is is my feeling on that. So right. um, maybe that makes both of us assholes. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyone out there who really enjoys a peated scotch rum finish, write in. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Yep. Okay. Well, if that didn't make me an asshole, maybe my pick will. My pick for this category this year is... Papal in Haiti. Ooh. Yeah, you might be the asshole for this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Papal in Haiti is a, a blend. Of, it, it, there, there was a Papal in Jamaica release that came, at, came out before. This is a project from Vellier, where essentially they are creating single country blends and aging them at origin. So, the Jamaica blend that came out was a blend of ha Hamden and Worthy Park, all aged in Jamaica. The Haiti one was a blend of five 
distilleries for Clarin producers and then Distillery de Port-au-Prince, uh, which does Providence rum. So this was Sajous, Vaval, Casimir, Distillery de Port-au-Prince, and Les Rochers. It was a blend of 32 different barrels. They were all aged in at Distillery Port-au-Prince, so in Haiti. And it was a wide variety of barrels. There were ex-cognac, there were ex-bourbon, there were ex-carony barrels and ex-whiskey barrels. And did I say it was four years old was the, okay. the age statement on that rum. The ABV on this one was 53.1%. And this is a rum that like everything about it led me to believe that I was really going to enjoy it. Not mm-hmm. just in terms of everything I just read. I mean, this idea of bringing all these different Haitian producers together, doing a blend, aging at origin, like it just sounds mm-hmm. like textbook designed in a lab, a rum that I should like. And I bought a bottle, poured it, and I thought right away that the nose confirmed my suspicions that I would really enjoy this rum because the the nose is absolutely lovely. It's this kind of like it's funky, sweet, savory caramel, some earthy undertones that remind you of the Claren in there. It's just mm-hmm. very approachable and inviting. The problem, John, is that there's a hint of those qualities on the palate when I when I when it first enters the mouth, but once I swallow. The finish is so bitter and then just evaporates into nothingness that it just ruined the entire experience for me. And I've gone back to this multiple times, hoping that it would evolve in some way or that like, you know, oh, it was just something I ate that day or whatever. But it's just stayed the same to where when I get to the finish of this rum, it just it just it's just this wash of bitter and none of the qualities that I tasted beforehand. And I do get a touch of what I think might be influenced from some of the Coroni casks that are in there that I don't think works all that well for me. So I don't know if part of it is just, you know, I mentioned all those different cask types that were used in there. I don't know. You've got five different distilleries. It's just a lot of stuff all kind of jockeying for position and maybe when it comes together on the finish it just all kind of doesn't come together um but man i really wanted to like this rum and i talked to so many people who do really like this rum and so i truly do feel like i'm missing something or i don't know i'm just alone on this this island and it's you know i feel bad about it i don't know what to do but i i keep going back i even i I tried this one again yesterday because i was kind of leaning towards like this is probably my pick for that i was like let me give it another chance Nope, same thing happened again. So I, I, I don't know what to do at this point, John. Hmm. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to back you up a little bit here. Uh, and wasn't you know necessarily intending to do it. Like you said, I know a lot of people that really enjoyed this rum and like it. Yeah. Um, and, and frankly, I do think it's a quality, well-made product. So it's not about that, right? It's about whether or not there's something that it just agrees with you or not. And what I wanted to say was I had a sample of this. I only got the sample this year, but I don't remember much from it. I kind of came and went. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say, again, it was bad. But usually when something hits me that I'm like, ooh, I need a bottle of this, that's my reaction. And it certainly wasn't that for this. The other thing I'm going to back you up on, which is is, it's it's slightly related, we'll say, is of the Clarins, the Claren Commonal is my least favorite by far. Because I feel like it takes all of the uniqueness of all of the different small distilleries there that are doing their thing for Claren Mm -hmm. and, and, and 
washes those away in favor of something that I understand it's more approachable and I understand it's more for a mixed drinks and that's its intended purpose. But, you know, I don't do a lot of that. So for me, it was my least favorite. And here, similarly, you're taking these different distilleries and putting them together and somehow the parts are, are less than the sum of the whole. Um, but uh, see, so. and, and here's the interesting thing is that last year, my pick for value rum was Claren Communal. I know. And I know. we disagreed yeah. about it, which, which is yeah. totally fine. But so I'm saying like blending the distilleries together in the past has worked for me. Um, right. But for whatever reason, this time it just it doesn't. And, um, hmm. you know, it, it hurts me a little bit. But that's, you know, I just got to got to got to keep it real. Yeah. All right. Well, with that out of the way. Overall rum? Are we ready it's to time. do this? It's you want me time. To, you want me to jump a little, in? You want me to a little l- drum roll? You know, yeah. yeah. You, you you jump in. That's fine. Cause I'm I'm gonna guess, even though you haven't mentioned the rum that is my rum of the overall rum, I'm gonna guess it's not mine. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping it's not mine because I hate it. We've when never that had happens. the same. I don't think we've yes, ever we had have. the same one. Did yes, we? we did. What was it? I think Homeski Belize. Oh yeah. I yeah, that was the did. very first year that we did this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right? Was it the first year? Yeah. 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 That was the first, the first, first year in review episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, all right, we'll find see. out. Um, this is another one that I've mentioned liking, so I don't know that it will come as a surprise to you, but this is one that I just, it really blew me away the first time I had it. And I went through the sample so quickly. I, you know, tried to hunt down a bottle, but didn't come up with it. And I'm still searching. So hopefully I can come across a bottle of this before they're all gone. Might be kind of tough at this point. Um, But this is the Trinidad 2002 Flag Series release from La Maison and Velier. So this was a 20-year-old rum distilled at Trinidad Distillers Limited, 100% column still. Aged 15 years at origin and five in Europe, cask strength 63.1% ABV. And we talked about this on a a bonus episode and I'll share kind of my thoughts that I had on it then. But, you know, I think last year, one of the releases that we mentioned was the Raising Glasses Guardians release, which was also from TDL, which I think was much younger. I think that one was like seven, eight, nine years, somewhere around there. This is 20 year old rum. But it's kind of like to me, if you took that and just made it and i i'm not saying that rum was bad that rum was significantly cheaper and younger but if you took that rum and just made it like 10x better across the board and like more complex and and everything that you'd expect from longer aging without overdoing it that was one of my favorite things about this was it was a an old rum that's the to me was not even like on the edge of being over oaked or anything. It was still so right. lively, so fruity, passion fruit, grapefruit, all kind of, but also those like you know, leathery, long age notes that you get in there. Just so drinkable, but also complex, really hitting the sweet spot of both, where it's something that I can sit back and drink when I just want to relax, but also something if I'm in a mood to like really get geeky and really sit down and think about what I'm drinking, it can slide right in there too, because it's got a lot of complexity going on. So just one of the better executed long aged drums. Uh, not that we have to pick a long age drum for this category, but just when I think back on the distinct releases from this year and which ones really popped, that one went right to the top for me. So a fitting choice for myself for this year. With, with good reason. This is a, a fantastic pick. It really is. Um, Thank you. I, I really enjoyed that rum. I'm mad at myself for somehow not having remembered it up to mm, this point yeah. and putting together my list this year. Like you said, sometimes it's just hard to remember everything. And I hadn't bought a bottle of it because I wasn't able to find it, like you said. Well, and the the frustrating thing was 
I was able to find plenty of bottles of the Guyana Flag series release. Yes, which, I've seen them too. Which I normally would be all over, but that was another kind of Am I the Asshole rum for me, where I actually, that one was aged for a very long time in port casks, and I just did not like the port and the, the, the port, I think it was port. Right? Am I remembering I, that right? I, I don't remember. I think it was port, just, yeah. And it was a Port Marant rum, and the 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 the, the cask influence is too much for me. And that rum I saw all over the place in my market, but I right. didn't see this one anywhere. Right. So, well, I, yeah, I, I liked that one, the guy on a release, but I didn't like it for three hundred dollars, which yeah. is what the going rate was. Whereas the Trinidad was, if I remember right, two hundred, like one ninety nine, and it was to me the better of the two. So I'm with you 100% on it. It's a, a, an inspired choice, and it's a good one that if people are, are still seeing out there, you know, you should grab that one. It, it's, it's the rare time where I would say I would spend $199 on that. Yep, same. And the guy on uh, one, by the yep. way, was it was a port cask influence on that one. So. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, okay. So it okay. sounds like we didn't pick the same thing. So that's good we news, right? Not. All right. Yes, that so is very good news. Hit me with yours. All right, well... Up until about, and you're going to know what this is when I tell you the story, but let, let me get to it. Up until about three or four weeks ago, I had a different pick for this. Oh, wow. Rum of the year. Okay. And I'm going to mention it here because I think it's almost unfair okay. <laughs> that it was my pick all that time and doesn't end up being it. <laughs> and, uh, but there's, a, there's, I think, a decent reason. My close runner-up is the Luisita Philippines Single Estate Rum. This is a rum that listener Mark actually was kind enough to get to us this year because it wasn't really available in our area. And boy, was I glad he did. It's a heck of a rum, only six years aged, but definitely felt longer. Probably the closest comparison I would give it is that, you know, like Belize type of thing. Mm. But it's 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 got like all those classic notes you want from uh, a heavy mouthfeel rum. I, I, again, I don't want to talk too much about it because it, it technically didn't win here, but I don't want to skip over it because it was a really good release. We I sent you a sample. I don't know if you've gotten into it yet. I got the sample and I just realized that like, I, I think you sent it to me when, when you sent me a bunch of samples yes. for the AD proof yes. episode. And so I just kind of stowed it away to the side and I completely forgot about it. Oh. And so I'm mad at myself that I haven't tried it yet. Uh, but I'm definitely, I'm, um, I'll grab it on the way out of the house so I can try it over the holidays. Definitely do. It, it's, it's up there with like ECS releases oh, from, nice. from Foursquare. Okay. Uh, wow. in, in with those. All right. Um, so, so what beat this? Okay. So, Four weeks ago, we we had a call where we we got a a an opportunity to purchase a rum that I was like, yeah, I know Ooh, what this is. Yeah. Yes, I want that, and you did too. So that's why I know you know what it is. And you know, I, I will say this before I tell you what it is. I get accused of being a fanboy for this brand, and it's it's not unfounded. Right, because well, I mean, I feel like saying case. accused is a little hard when it's, when something is just a, a fact. I don't think one can be accused it's, of it. It's like saying I get accused of being a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair point. But I'm just gonna come out with it. It is a Holmes Key bottle. I was not. I didn't have a Holmes Key this year that rose to this level until this one came, and it this one hit me and was like an immediate like, yes, this is an amazing rum and it is one that is it, it overtook that Luisita as my rum of the year it is the Holmes Key Guyana DDL Albion Mark rum release that was provided by I think it's an Austin Rum Society pick Mike Hooker uh, on the Austin Rum Society did this pick with Holmes Key and it is 
aged for nine years in ex-bourbon, but it's it's pretty light. It, it, I'm pretty sure it's continentally aged, and it has a lighter profile in that mark, the Albion mark, than other Port Marat re- releases do. Mm-hmm. This is a fan-freaking-tastic rum. It is something that brings so much flavor. I mentioned earlier that El Dorado 12 gave me this like, wow, realization with DDL and what they can do. And this just took it to the house. This one was just the clincher that I was like, wow, DDL is so good at what they do. And this one is, I mean, just, I think it's the best guy on a rum I've had so far. I did an ABC very quickly with other Holmes Key and other Guyana releases that they had the Port Marant release. They had an iFlot release. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely my favorite of the three. It's the longest finish I've had in a rum this year and maybe multiple years. You and I both remarked, I remember talking a little bit about it, about how this finish goes on and on and on and waves. Yeah. It's a fantastic rum. It's everything I want from a rum that's aged in around this this kind of this long. It's aged this long, a nine-year rum. And I haven't tried anything that I felt is very similar. So it's an easy pick when you know you have something that is special in this way in terms of it's rare and you experience it in such a way that you're like, yeah, I am so glad that I had a chance to get this and to experience it and add it to my bar. Um, yeah, we, I, I can't say enough good things about it. We both bought bottles of this and I had a very similar reaction. I, I honestly considered this one for the over five years pick as well. And honestly, I think this may have been a victim of getting the bottle late in the year because I think it's the kind of thing that if I'd had more time with it, it might have ended up edging its way to the top. So it, it's it's awesome. If, if you're a Port Morant fan, you should seek it out. It's It's got the stuff you're familiar with, but it's got a little bit of twist on typical it Port Morant that yep. is just, it's great. And the, the finish does not quit. It's, it's, you know, it's a little bit funky, very fruity. It, it's just, yeah, I don't, it's a rum that speaks for itself. I don't need to build it up here. Yeah, what what I found was between this and the Eldorado 12 versus the 15 was I, I'm tending to skew my personal palate towards a lighter-bodied Guyana rum. And I don't know why yet. Like, I haven't explored it enough. As we mentioned, it's only been uh, in the house for a few weeks. And I will continue to do that and figure out what it is about this one. But when you're... It's preferable to uh, a long-aged iFlot release, which is fantastic, you know, uh, in and of itself. There's something that I'm like, huh, that's weird that this is where my palate wants to go and is is preferring something that has a little less age on it, a little more fruit forward, a little bit more of the distillate that's shining through. And that's what's uh, really nice for me. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I just really in love with the rum. I am really excited to just continue digging into it in different ways. And, and it, somehow... Holmes Key did it again. <laughs> somehow, somehow. Somehow. I don't know. I don't know how it keeps happening, John. Um, yeah, and to your point of it being kind of lighter, that was kind of one of the whole things behind this release is that this particular mark is supposed to be a little lighter in profile than the traditional PM mark that's uh, most commonly found from the Port Marant still. But yeah, it's a it's a great release. And uh, yeah, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's available to people outside Texas, although I don't know that it is really <laughs> since it was an Austin Rump Society pick, but yeah, it's yeah. worth seeking out for sure. Okay. Do we want to wrap this up with our new distillery of the year picks? Let's do it. 
Okay, I can go first because mine is going to be quick because it's actually involves a distillery that I've already talked about. Um, okay. But really quickly, I want to cover what my criteria was for this. There were kind of three elements. A, did this distillery have good releases this year that the distillery themselves put out uh, is how I yep. kind of wanted to think about it. Two, did they kind of like capture the rum community's attention to some degree? Like it was something that people paid attention to and, uh, you know, talked about, garnered attention, that kind of thing. That was, look, I see you're making a face. I'm talking about my criteria, John. Okay, so my criteria don't have to be yours, but you need to listen to mine first, okay, right, before you okay, start immediately okay, writing fine. them off. All right. I, you know, it's a, it's a it's a distillery of the year. It's got to be something. I'm not saying it has to be like the most popular. I'm not saying it has to be Bacardi, like uh, being something that common <laughs> people know, but just something that was kind of like not just something that came from some obscure distillery that like no one really tasted it. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. It has to be something that like people tasted and talked about to some degree. And then the last thing was, are they emblematic of kind of something interesting happening in rum right now was there something in these releases that like you can say oh that's an interesting thing that's going on right now in rum and those releases kind of capture it and so when i thought about it in those terms i came back to isadier from reunion okay. oh. and so All they right. had the twin 16 year releases molasses yep. and cane yep. juice we already talked about how we loved being able to do the comparison there um they also had the double agent bottlings which i was just yeah. uh, able to recently try which um were unaged bottlings released at 55 percent abv one of them was 65 percent cane juice 35 percent molasses blend and the other one was 35 percent cane juice 65 percent molasses blend and i love again not only being able to do the ab comparison but one of the ongoing trends in rum that we've talked about a lot, not only amongst amongst ourselves, but with guests as well, is this idea of not just making a molasses rum or a cane juice rum, but using different parts of different yes. inputs from sugarcane and sugarcane byproducts to come up with something, you know, that combines them in an interesting way. And those are two releases that did that. Both really good releases, by the way. I think probably yeah. a little bit more geared toward mixing, but really fascinating to right. taste side by side and seeing what changes besides one just tasting a little bit more like cane juice and one tasting yeah. a little bit less like it. There's more yeah, going yeah. on than just that. But um, that, that's the one I forgot earlier, by the way. Remember when I was talking about the cane juice and the molasses? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the, the, totally the one I was uh, the Double agent bottlings, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, I just thought both of the 16-year releases were knockouts. So, and, and, you know, coming from an interesting place, I think Isadier was a distillery that wasn't on a lot of people's radar before yeah. this year and i think it really got on people's radar this year and just when i think back on the year they they come up a lot in my brain so it was just a natural thing for me to pick them i feel like they meet my criteria and they're doing stuff that i think rum geeks value but also stuff that i think is approachable um, and they've been doing cane juice and molasses for a long time it's not like this is a new thing for them it's not like a, mm -hmm. they just jumped on the the trend that i'm talking about um, it's what they do and i think it's going right. to be something that we see from a lot more producers going forward so yeah that's it that's my pick Awesome. It's a, it's a great pick. And I agree with your criteria for the most part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think once I, maybe I poorly introduced my second uh, bullet point there, but I feel like the more I talked about it, the more sense it made. Uh, yeah. And, and I, you know, somewhat, I have a similar outlook on what I did with this and trying to do it, but interestingly, so your distillery has been there for a while, but it's, it was maybe lesser known, 
mm-hmm. would say. You know, known maybe to rum geeks like us, but definitely not as much outside of that. Whereas the one I picked for Distillery of the Year is very well known. Um, I, almost picked a very, I almost picked a very well known. Maybe it's I, what I, you picked. Well, it's, I, I, we'll see. I don't think it is. I thought you were going to go with Hamden just because of the marks. <laughs> That's what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. They yeah. were also a worthy pick. No, no pun intended yeah. for their neighbors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I love the eight marks. I mean, they, they deserve it probably for the eight marks alone, but yeah. outside of that, you know, I, I tried a number much, of other. Yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, I, I tried like the, the, the five year DOK release that PM spirits picked and right. like, I liked it. Wasn't there but like an HGML or something? I did. I, so I actually, yeah. I liked the HGML release yeah. more than that DOK one. Um, even yeah. though I think the yeah. DOK one was the one that the, the rum community got pretty rabid over. Um, but for me personally, yeah, I, I don't know. It, yeah. it just wasn't really my thing. The HGML okay. I found with water really, really good. Um, hmm. So, but yeah, I mean that the picking Hampton would have been almost entirely weighted on the eight marks collection. So, right. Um, right. But I mean that again, deserving pick if someone wants to make yep. that their pick, I, I wouldn't argue I- with it. It, it was on my short list. Let's put it that way. Okay. And again, since I haven't had the eight marks experience yet, that's what you know <laughs> yeah. prevented me. But I know it was a big one. Another you know short list item that hasn't been mentioned at all in our list is the Appleton Seventeen release. We both know that you I was know. Wondering if we were going to bring that up before the. Yeah. I actually thought I, it was somewhat telling that that rum hadn't come up at all in our conversation yeah. so far. Well, it, it's not that it's bad it's actually no. quite good it's, it's good. just not the way it was handled and the price for it it yeah. doesn't need to be where it is and that's why it didn't end up making my list not because it's a bad rum it's a very nice rum okay but moving to my distillery of the year so a similar criteria i was looking to see what rums really struck me from this year and it didn't even have to necessarily resonate with me alone, but other things that I kept seeing that people were enjoying that were coming out. So like you said, what was something that made its mark this year yeah. uh, on me and on others? And so my mine was uh, DDL, actually. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, it was, you know, the El Dorado 12 was my, you know, value rum this year, and the Albion Holmes Key Guyana was my overall rum. So for me, they definitely hit. But there was other things that I considered for my list of the year, like the Green Zones barrel pick, which was great. I was going to say, they really, they ramped up the barrel pick releases. Uh, Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there were some some really good ones. I'm going to mispronounce it, but is it Prestige Ledroit barrel pick that was out there? Yeah, that one made a lot of waves as well. I was able to try, as we mentioned, the Flag Series, which we both thought wasn't quite as good as the Trinidad and a little pricey. I'd go go further than that. I don't think it's anywhere close to the Trinidad, but that's my impression (laughs) of it. Yeah, I still enjoyed it. I just, like I said, I wouldn't pay the $300 price tag for it, but it was good. Uh, And it's a notable release. You know, it's, it's, it's out there and people are noticing it. I haven't been able to try these, but I do know that they put out an 18-year series this year, as well as a something called the Last Cask series, which does sound a little bit marketing. But they are long-aged releases. I mean, 22- and 24-year-old releases. I haven't been able to try them, so I'm hoping that they are not sugar-added and that they're good products. But they did come out you know, late this year. And I know because I actually saw a bottle here in Miami, but wasn't able to try it. So those the high, the high Esther release, too, that was y- yes. uh, kind of making oh, the rounds right. at UK Rumfest. Thank yeah. you for reminding me of that. Yes. So DDL's always been prolific, right? We know that there are, there are a lot of rum making goes on there. But with all of those great releases and the fact that they have seemed to really commit 
to having the less sugar in their flagship line now, this was the year for me that they took a major step forward in my standing and somehow could be continuing to even be bigger. I so, feel like this is a kind of a breakthrough for you because I think historically you've been lower on DDL I in have. general than, than I've been and a lot of people and you've, you've, you've broken through. 100% right. It's not that I ever didn't like it right. or thought it was poor. It's just it didn't hit with me yeah. like other rums from different various places have. And finally, I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, exciting for me personally, but also I think exciting for everybody else to see that many really worthwhile picks and, and products coming from them this year. Yeah, well, and so much more down the road as well. Like I mentioned, the the highest release, which I don't really think has hit markets or anything yet. So that'll be something cool to watch out for. Right, but right. What a year, John. What a year. Yeah. It's so, so much, you know, we could have mentioned that we didn't quite talk about, you know, there were some interesting Rum GM releases this year. I know the 2002 bottle was one that really stood out to me. They had the Terroir Volcanique that a lot of people were talking about. Just so many bottles we could go on and on you know naming honorable mentions and stuff but i think we'll cut yeah. it off there um, i was so sad that the volcanic didn't make my list I, mm. I tried to fit it in in a couple of places because i really do like it yeah. best bottle best bottle of the year for oh, me. that is GM a cool bottle volcanic. yeah yeah um renegade yeah. also doing some cool stuff we yes. just got to try some of the age stuff that they're doing which i'm sure we'll talk about on a future episode because very promising and interesting uh in my book so We'll close it out there. We would love to hear from anyone listening, you know, what stood out to you? What do you disagree with? What did we miss? What should we, what what are we too high on? What are we too low on? What did you like this year? What were your favorites in these categories? Uh, Send us an email, host at rumcast.com. That's H-O-S-T at rumcast.com. Or as always, you can hit us up on social media. John, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, don't like email? Don't use it. Just hit us up on social media at the Rumcast at either Facebook or Twitter. I'm just going to call it Twitter and also Instagram. Instagram. Yes. So we'll we'll uh, look for those posts there or as we post on those sites and you want to list your stuff under that on your comments, please do. We love to do it. We mentioned we are going to put on the website this year the list of our picks. So you will have that as a reference. We won't do it immediately because, again, we want you to listen to it and be surprised first rather than just down scroll down a list. But eventually they'll make their way up. Up there and we should probably try to dig back through our other list will i don't know have we put those on there from other I think years we have i think we okay have. good okay because yeah I, I mean i've noticed every year will we we start to have these good conversations with people on especially on this episode and i would love to see more of that from not only us to people but also people to people right yeah you know for sure. all rum enthusiasts out there start these conversations i i want to see it all reddit is a great resource also i see a bunch of stuff on reddit under the our rum category so we'll, we'll you know definitely we'll look for those hit us up let us know all the questions, the what's that we'll ask for, uh, and hoping it was a great year for you all as well. Also, if you have any predictions for 2024, our next episode is our annual predictions episode. So send us your predictions in advance. We'd love to see what those are. Just anything that you think, think might be happening in 2024 yeah. in the world of rum. We'd love to hear your theories, no matter how out there they are. But John, that wraps it up for this year. So happy holidays to you. Have a happy new year, all that good stuff, and I will see you in 2024. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.